Well, hello, everyone. And as we open our Bibles, and I pray you are, that you open your Bible to Second and Third John today, that you will be ready to follow this verse by verse and see what John has to say. So first of all, would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. We're living in a strange world, and we have to do things differently. But where there's a will, there's a way. And I believe that with studying the Holy Scripture so much that where there is a will, you will provide a way. And so we we desire to know what your word says. And so Lord, today as we come through this podcast, we pray that your Holy Spirit, we know your Holy Spirit is ready to work, whether we're together as a group or whether we're listening through computers. Father, we know your Holy Spirit can turn these words into truth for us. And we know that that word truth is so important to John. So Lord, may it be a a word that we desire to. And so we're going into this today to learn more truth. And Father, we know that your, um, your love for us and Jesus' willingness to, to make the gap that sin has destroyed between us and you. We know Jesus on the cross has, has made that way possible again, that we come into your presence and, and we know that your Holy Spirit is going to take these words and, and just turn truth on for us so that we don't only word, word, read words on the page, but that we, that we feel them in the depths of our heart. Father, thank you again for all what you do. You, you are, you give us one blessing after another. You truly are God sovereign and majestic in every way. May we never lose sight of and picture you on your throne in control of all things, even when all looks disarray. And we pray this all in our Savior's name. Amen. All right, in Second John, verse 1 starts the elder. Now, according to theologians, in, and that's why it's in Scripture as for Second as John, is that it is definitely believed because the writing is so similar to the Apostle John. And so he, we are assuming we believe that that the elder is John, not so much in knowledge, even though he's so knowledgeable and he's he's walked with the Lord for so many years. But that's it. He calls himself the elder because when he writes this message, which many believe it's his last message to the church even though he desires so to see them face to face, he is writing this down, and he is old. He is, he's old, and so he, can, he calls himself the elder. And there's a lot when you're older. There's a lot of experience. There's a lot of, um, you've learned a lot through your lifespan, and so there's, there's much he can teach us. And and why doesn't he call himself John like he did in the Revelation? He, he didn't in the gospel either. And uh, I think John is the kind of person that um, it's not about him. And he does not want to make a big fanfare about who he is. I think in the Revelation, he did it 
to prove that that I saw with my eyes and I heard with my ears and he wanted to say it with authenticity that we would believe that he he was the one who saw and heard and we could trust it but in the gospel and in this in these these three letters he doesn't refer to himself by name and he wants no attention on himself as much as he wants it on the truth of the gospel and how it changes lives. So, the elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. So, who is that? Now, we could look at these last two letters here and we could see that he might be writing to individual people. Now, this chosen lady and her children could be a particular family that he has met through his, his lifetime and who are very important to him. Or, and I think it's more, more likely that this chosen lady and her children are a specific church and the children are the members. But it really doesn't matter. The The principles and the meaning is the same, but just to kind of get you thinking a little bit. Now, when he said to the chosen lady and her children, who, whom I love in the truth. Now, like I prayed, John uses the word truth uh, many times, in fact, 37 times, he writes the word truth. And I don't know who, who counted him exactly, but I'll believe it. Because even in studying the gospel and now these letters, he does write the word truth a lot. And he's the one that claims that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So he wants us to make sure that we understand that word. Now, really, what is truth? It's, it's basically the gospel of Christ. The gospel and the truth, and it's only, it's only one it's only one way, like we said. It's only one way of truth for whoever is reading this. Truth is truth for you. That same truth is truth for me. And when he talks about Jesus and the gospel being the truth, he's saying these are the terms of our salvation. These are the terms of the gospel. It binds us all together. We are all need Jesus in the same way. It doesn't matter what race, what creed, what nation. We all come to the cross of Christ the same way. We all hear the gospel and we have a choice to respond or, or not. We either, we either say yes or no to the gospel. So truth, according to John, also is, is something that never changes. So often, you know, things change. I mean, what was done in the 1950s um, is certainly, um, it wouldn't have been acceptable then, and it, it is acceptable now. I mean, we have seen how wrong has started to look right. What was wrong in the 1950s is, is now classified okay and right nowadays. 
And so we are talking about a truth that does not change. It never has, and it never will. We know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that salvation is found in none other than the name of Jesus, and that will never change. See, these terms will never change. That's the truth, and this truth is for anyone and everyone. So that's why when he says, whom I love in the truth, this this family or this particular church they have been they have been doing it right he says because uh, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever so just to explain that word truth that you don't read by that so quickly that you understand that the truth is is Jesus and is an only way and the gospel I do. I just had a. I just. I just read it over many times when he was talking to the chosen lady and her children, whom whom I love in the truth. I mean, whether this is an individual family or whether it is a church, a whole church. To think that that's what we're bound in. We're such unique, different individuals, and yet what binds us together. And we have seen how John is really emphatic about our walk with Jesus, our relationship with him. That's not something that's flippant, that, that we can plug in and out when we want. No, this is our, our walk in life. This is what we, this is, this is our life. I don't know how else to put it. Jesus should be not a part of our life, but Jesus should be our life. And then he says, because of this truth which lives in us and will be with us forever, and then he gives this greeting, grace, mercy, and peace. Those three words, and we hear them all the time, and and I I know you probably um, have had them explained to you many times, but but because of what he said, because of the truth, because of Jesus, which, who lives in us and will live with us forever, you and I every day can experience grace, which means undeserved favor which means receiving what we don't deserve. You and I have received salvation. We have been bought back, and there's nothing we have done to deserve that. Grace is so undeserved. What a beautiful word. And mercy, mercy, because of Jesus, because of the truth of what his story is, we have mercy. What did we deserve? What were the consequences of sin? Way back in Genesis 3, what we deserved was eternal death. And so mercy is we did not get what we did deserve. Instead of being sent to hell, we are going to be welcomed into God's presence someday. 
all because of our saying yes to Jesus and the cross. So grace, mercy, and peace. And that word peace does not come from anything or any other person. And this is something you and I need to keep reminding ourselves. When, oh yes, we want peace in this world and we know that the Lord's intent was for all people to get along. And, but peace is the kind of word that, well, he says it right there, it comes from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. That is where peace comes from. We know Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one that could give us peace. And, and I believe that this order is so perfect in the greeting. Grace, we receive what we didn't deserve. We receive that pardon. We receive, we receive that blood sacrifice. We receive salvation when we didn't deserve it. Mercy, we didn't get what we so deserved. Instead of eternal death, we were given eternal life. We deserved eternal death, but we didn't get what we deserved. And when you live in grace and mercy, you can't help but then experience peace. And peace goes so far beyond everything going your way and everybody is getting along. Every, all your family members are fine and there's no sickness or disease and there's no loss of jobs and there's no financial struggles. No, that's not peace. Do you know that peace, real peace, is possible even when, even when there's storms, even, even when life is, is seemed to be going helter-skelter, when, when there are severe sufferings, we can still have peace, not because of the circumstances, but because of grace and mercy that we have received from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son. And this is possible through, he says, which those three things will be with us in truth and love. And we've already been through, there's many kinds of love, but the love that we read from Scripture is the love that God started when he sent us Jesus. That is the true picture of love, selflessness, the giving of all, and how we should be desiring from the Holy Spirit that kind of love reaching from us to others. And he says that grace and that mercy and that peace can be with us every day, every minute of the day, through any trial, through any suffering, through any surprise circumstance that hits us. And it's because it's been given by God the Father and his Son, and it is truth, and it is love. I say this all the time, I know, you'll, you'll probably say that, I, I do, I, but what a wonderful way to live. 
He wants us living in this. He doesn't want us worried and, and panicked and fearful and angry and hating. And, oh, no, that's not abundant, fulfilled life. So that's how he greets this congregation or this family. It has given me great joy, John says. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Now, this could mean one of two things. It could mean that, well, he hasn't heard about everybody. So he has heard that there are some that are walking in the truth, and he's thrilled about that. Or it could mean that, there's some that have chosen once they've heard the, the truth and they've decided they don't need it. They're self-sufficient. And so whatever, he says, is some. And, and that is true. There, this gospel, Jesus, was offered and came for everyone. But only those who receive him can be called the children of God. John's been very clear about that. And as much as Jesus, most of all, would love everyone to come into repentance because of human nature, some choose to say no to it. And this is why, why John is writing this, because he's so, he's so fearful of, of the in, infiltrate, the, the, how do I say it? He's so afraid that people that are coming in that are going to distract them from this truth, that are going to say things that, that can, maybe what their itching ears want to hear, but it's going to throw them off. I've heard stories about um, when certain kids go off to college and they go to a school that, that can even brainwash them from simple gospel truth and, and because they put so much stock in their, in their professors and, and they trust them so much instead of trusting what God's word says, they, they want to be independent and they don't want to listen to parents anymore. They want to listen to their, their professors. And, and sometimes, I mean, for the most part, I'm sure it's good, but, but sometimes if they're not, if they're teaching what's not truth, these kids can, can be changed and they can, they can buck the system or they can buck what they've been raised in John's concerned about that. And you're going to see it later on, even in this particular letter in 2 John. We all are in danger. That's why we need to stay in our Bibles so much. We need to make sure that, our, that the teachings that we're listening to are strictly from God's word. It would be so easy to hear people say what we want to hear and 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 we don't need to be convicted or we don't have to deal with our guilt and our sin and oh, God just loves everybody. And 
but we need to follow his commands, and we're going to see that also as a repetition of John in his letters. So he says here, and now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. And what is that command? Is that we obey God's command. What, what is the, and again I say command, it's not a suggestion. And so John has been repeating. How many times have we said this? Even in 1 John 1 through 5, we've heard him say it many times and he's reiterating it again. Because there's sometimes so, there's just, it's sneaky. I always said if the devil would keep his red, red, uh, um, outfit on or if he kept the pitchfork in his hand and if he really did have horns and a long tail we would know that it was we would, would see him coming but sometimes he, he camouflages himself through people that, that we least expect And so John is making sure that, he says, it's given me great joy to hear that some of your children are walking in the truth. And walking in the truth is not just a simple, oh, here today, gone tomorrow, or um, I'll do it on Sunday and Tuesdays. But no, walking in the truth is a, is a, a persistent walk. A non-stop walk, staying on the course of God's word, striving to listen and obey his commands. So when he says, I'm going to tell you, this, this love that we're talking about is something that, that is, I, I go back to the beginning, what you were taught right from the beginning this love that we walk in obedience to his commands, as you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. And that love, again, don't be so easy to say, oh, I do that, I walk in love, I'm nice to everybody, I smile at everybody in the store. I mean, that's all important. But when he's saying walk in love, it's the kind of love when maybe you're done wrong. When someone has hurt you. When someone has come against you. When, when life is, is very difficult. And he's saying, I want you to continue to walk in love. Love is selflessness. Love is showing forth Jesus even when you don't feel like it, but because you know that you might be the only Jesus they're going to see. Your testimony is so important. So when he says that we need to walk in love, it's the kind of love Jesus had for you. Now, is it hard to do? Oh, yeah. Well, what keeps you and I walking in that kind of love? By keeping your eyes focused in on the cross and keep reminding yourself of what that love looked like for you. 
knowing full well you've been given his spirit to, to work that kind of love that Jesus had for you. Now that spirit will work that love from you to others. That is what's going to be the testimony that people will see and it will draw people to Jesus. He says, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Remember last week we talked about how that there were that there are there are religions that some religions believe that Jesus was God, but then he, that means he couldn't have been man, and then vice versa. There's some religions that believe he was a man, but then that means he can't be God. And it, we know, and we must know, because it is a piece of that truth that we are commanded to believe and live on is that he was both. He is both. He's definitely deity, but he was definitely a man for 33 years. And if any other religion, even so-called in the name of Christianity, deceivers, can come at you and and then and cause you to doubt. That's why it's so important that we're grounded in God's word. That from what we've even learned from John this year, we have comebacks. If anyone tries to deceive us or someone tries to tell us, oh, you've got that wrong, that we come back and say, but the Bible says Otherwise, we too can be easily swayed, easily influenced, easily brainwashed. Any, per, any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now, John has talked about that before, that a person who is a deceiver is a type of antichrist. It means you're against Christ. And you're trying to uh, you're trying to permeate your belief and your way of thinking into someone else. And if it isn't Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the crucified one, your Savior, walking in the truth of His terms and His terms alone. John calls that person an antichrist. Watch out. I like that. And I underline it in my Bible. Watch out. We've got to be, we've got to be looking. We've got to be mindful. We've got to, we've got to have our heart called spiritual antennas. We've got to, we've got to be so in tune with God's spirit that those spiritual antennas will we'll activate and we will know that when someone comes at us with a deceit, even though it might look or sound right, that we will know that this doesn't sound right. This, this doesn't sound like Jesus to me. This doesn't sound like something that the Bible states. Always, always check things with Scripture. Scripture. 
I think that's what I appreciated when Paul was on one of his journeys and, and when he went into um, Berea. The Bereans, I mean, it's not that they didn't believe Paul, but they went back after hearing him and checked everything with scripture. That's good. That's very health, spiritually healthy. Because there are many deceivers out there who want to sway you. So watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for. So in other words, you can, you can be a strong Christian. But if you don't stay connected to his word, stay desiring to listen to his spirit, you can start floundering, start want, wanting to hear your voice, want your way. You stop, you stop re get, getting into scripture. You're, it's summer, it's too busy. Um, I have other things to do and... That is so dangerous. And the enemy knows that. And he, his goal is to weaken strong Christians. So watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for. You've gone to Bible study all year. You've been faithful into learning and studying and you've loved it and you've watched changes come into your life. But you have to be so careful that any time that gets lax or you get lazy or even you think, oh, I'll be fine. I don't need to take my Bible on vacation. He says, you can lose. You can not necessarily, now he doesn't mean lose your salvation, but lose what you have worked hard, that relationship with him, that tight connection. Remember, that's what Jesus wants, that I, that I abide in you and you abide in me and that we're in that walking step-by-step -step relationship that no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, no matter what you're doing, the Holy Spirit is directing you. So you know that your thoughts and your words and your actions will be pleasing to the one who gave us all for you. He said, you don't want to lose what you've worked for. You want, to be, you want to be rewarded fully. Again, John reminds you and I that we will stand in front of Jesus face to face someday. And I just don't want to be embarrassed or ashamed of my behavior after all what he's done. He expected a life change. Our salvation demands a life change. A life change is proof of our salvation. They go so hand in hand. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Wow. Isn't that something? That, that, is quite, that is quite a thought. He said, don't you just be flippant about this. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ 
He does not have God. If you don't have a desire to mature and to grow and to know him better, John is saying, maybe you better look to see if you even know him at all. Or maybe it's just a religious game that you're playing. If you don't have any desire to, to study and, and want to hear his commands and learn his commands so that you can obey his commands, knowing that that is what's going to please him and keep you in that right relationship. I remember there was this gal that came into our life, our lives, um, our family's lives, uh, oh, many years ago, and and she just was such a cutie, and uh, she came to our door, and she her life was quite a mess, and she was miserable, and and she had come to a few concerts, and 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 trusted us and came to our door and said, I really want to help. Well, you know, because I can't see her heart, I just welcomed her in and, and said, well, we'd just love to help you, uh, to get you on track into a relationship with Jesus. Oh, she claimed she had responded to his salvation. She claimed that she was saved and, and that, but her life was just a, a disarray and she wanted help. And so I got my Bible out and I said, all right, now, this is what I need you to do before you come back next week. This is your assignment. And I gave her assignment so every day she would be in God's word and she would answer questions. She would learn how to study. Now, when she came back the next week, she, um, I said, well, let's go over what, what you learned this week. And she said, well, you know, I, I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't have time. And she had all these excuses. Well, I cut her a little slack because I thought, well, she's just learning. And so I, I stressed again, all right, now, when you're in a relationship with Jesus, you, you study, you learn, you, you need to spend time listening to his voice and his word is his voice talking to you and teaching you. So here's your assignment again. So... The next week she came back and said, okay, let's go over it. And I'm sure you can about imagine, yep, she didn't have it done. And this went on for, I let it go for a few weeks. And then I should have, I mean, I should have, especially since I've studied this now, I would have been a little bit more, I think, quick on the draw to see that she really, she really didn't want to know. And come to find out, not only did she really not want to learn and to grow and to know her Savior, she wanted, she wanted to get into our household to be able to destroy it. Man, can you believe that? If you had looked at her, you would have never surmised her that the enemy was using her. She was such a cutie. She came with such a story. She came with such a, with such a longing. She had me fooled. And John says, you got to watch out. And your clue should be, if they don't really want to learn, they won't do their assignments, they won't get into, into God's word. 
Ah, that should have been a great big neon sign for me, but it certainly is now. That's why it says, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. She didn't even know him. She didn't have him to begin with. How you can make up a story But I love the way John comes back and, and puts the other, whoever continues in the teaching, though, whoever does choose to continue and work hard in the teaching, as both the Father and the Son, you're guaranteed of the Father and the Son, and of course, the Holy Spirit, who's taking these commands and making them truth in you. And then verse 10, another warning. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, if anybody comes to you and does not bring the teaching of the terms of the truth of the gospel, the God's word, and you're not checking to see if it go, coincides with God's word and it just sounds good to you, You know, it's, it's, there's so, I should have brought that list. I have a list of phrases that, that sound so scriptural that when people throw them at you, you think they're giving you a Bible verse. And they're really, it's not only not a Bible verse, it's a lie. You know, kind of like, well, God helps those who help themselves. You know, that, that's a lie. And there's, there's many, you've got to be careful that, that even though it sounds so good, if, if, if something doesn't just gel right, be a Berean and go into God's word and compare it and see if God, God will never go against his word. And so John says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. No, he's not talking about that you're not, that you don't, you know, go after the lost and you invite people who aren't Christians over. I mean, I mean, that's, we're told to, to be winsome and to, you know, let your light so shine before men that they will see Jesus in you and want to come along. He's talking about those who just come in and they're trying, they're bossy and they're trying to tell you that there's another way to Jesus and, and there's no hell and, and he's just a God of love. Everybody's going to come together in the end anyway. And Oh, God doesn't mean that. I mean, and I have to say, our itching ears kind of want to do that because, you know, then if we don't have to work so hard or if we don't have to take care of our sin and if we don't have to go to the cross to get rid of our guilt and we have to repent and acknowledge our wrongdoing and see ourselves for what we are as lost. I mean, that, that's not fun, but it's what God, that's the way God set it up. And if anybody comes in and tries to tell you differently, he's saying, don't welcome him in. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I mean, you think about, you think about the influence 
It's so easy, and you know, so many of these different religions have these sounds so good, or they pertain to families. And it's if you aren't grounded in God's word, it's just so so easy to get sucked up into that deceitfulness because you don't hear it as deceit. You hear it as, yeah, I kind of like that way. But if it's not God's way. And if you welcome it in and you're you encouraging it, it's so easy to be influenced and, and brainwashed. So even in, this, in these few verses, in this little letter, boy, doesn't it pack some power? Doesn't it just give you such an idea of, of checking your heart and your life and seeing if you're, you're real? I have much to write to you. He said he would probably love to just go on and on. But I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face. Ah, oh, There's nothing like face to face with someone and sharing Jesus together. Oh, that's just, that's so wonderful. I get what he says here. I mean, he's going to mention it again in our next letter here in Third John two, but also, but but we're going to see how yes, would rather be face to face, but sometimes the Lord uses letters. Maybe it's something that people, even though it's just you know, eleven, twelve verses. But it's a letter that you go over and over, and I looked at it like, thanks, John, for writing to to this chosen lady and her children because now it's in the inspired word of God and I can glean from it. And I gleaned a lot this week from these few verses. I know it sounds sometimes repetitive, but I think of how Jesus repeated, how John repeats, how Paul repeats, how Peter repeats and Peter and Paul both mentioned in, in their letters, I'm not even embarrassed to repeat this to you again. They know that we need to hear it. We need to be, we need to be accountable. We need to be jostled sometime because we have believed the deceitful or we've gotten swayed and brainwashed and we need to get brought back to the beginning, like John says. But yeah, is human desire, oh, just sitting around a table, just sitting outside in a circle. I remember at a gathering one time, the hostess or the host said, can you just say when, when you came to know Jesus in a real way? Oh, my word, was that rich conversation to watch people's faces just glow to watch their gratefulness. Oh, there's just nothing like it. The children of your chosen, uh, the children of your chosen sisters send their greetings. So again, whether this sister, this chosen lady, is a literal sister, or it probably is likely another church. 
The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. And then as we move on to John, third John, he starts this chapter two with the same intro, the elder. I, I smiled when I thought about that. I think what he means is, I've been around a long time. I've seen it all. I've experienced much. And in the course of my long journey, I have watched his faithfulness. I've watched his commands keep me in my proper place. I've watched his promises get me through the hopelessness. It's like, I've been around and I know. And I want to share this. Now, I think this person really is an individual. To my dear friend, Gaius, whom I love in the truth. He says the same thing. I love him not because of all his talents, not because he's good looking, not because he gave me a lot of money, not because, um, uh, well, for whatever reason, he's saying, I love this man because he and I are one in the truth of the gospel. We've both experienced the love of Christ. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may make a well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Now, from what I learned is when John says something like, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, he's pretty much sending best wishes and blessings. Like, how, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. But didn't you just appreciate the way he said, even as your soul is getting along well? That's, that's the main thing. Don't you find that when your soul is well, no matter what your body is going through, your body is following suit with what your soul is telling you. When your soul is well with the truth, your soul, your spirit will then connect to your outer self and will direct you in the right. It will keep worry and all that and fear. And when your soul is well, you, you wake up, rem, rem, even though you might listen to the news and it all still looks pretty bleak, you know because your soul is telling you, but bless the assurance, Jesus is mine today. That no matter what happens, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. You can sing, just a closer walk with thee. That's possible. To be able to know that, that these, some of these old hymns, or even the newer songs today, that you can just, oh, you can just hold on. I, I just love one right now that keeps reminding me that a better day is coming. 
and that Jesus is coming back and that the future is bright for God's children. And so John is saying to this, to this man, to Gaius, Dear friend, I pray that you're doing, you're doing fine because your soul is fine. So your soul that is feeding you the truth. It gave me great joy. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell you about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and, and tell me about how faithful you've been. It gave, it gave John such great joy to be able to know that maybe, maybe he was, maybe this Gaius was someone that came to know Jesus because of John's ministry. Maybe, maybe because I'm um, I went and kind of searched out, and, and I don't know, Gaius was pretty much a familiar, popular name, so it might not be the same, but Paul wrote in his, his letter to the Romans in chapter 16, in verse 23, he's so thankful, he's listing the people that have helped him along the way, and he mentioned a man named Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy. Send you his greetings. So, you know, whether they're the same man or not, these identifiable um, attributes puts a smile on John's face and obviously puts a smile on Jesus' face. John says, gives me such great joy when, when he's heard from other people just how faithful to the truth and nothing else. Now you continue. You've got to continue to work at that. And he is. You continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Oh, that just, that excites John. He wants to pay Gaius a compliment and tell him how thrilled he is. And Dear friend, he says, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. See, this is, this is what kind of made me think that the same one in Romans 16, they might be the same because Gaius was willing to, to work even with strangers, people that he didn't know. He was, he was willing to go the extra mile for someone that he doesn't even know. That's why he says, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. So your, your words and your actions, you, you just weren't quick to, to talk the gospel. They witnessed it in your life, and you put yourself aside for people you didn't even know. But guess what? They told, they told someone else, and someone else told me. 
about what? His love. There's that love, that love of Jesus, that Gaius, whether it was through Paul or John or, or whatever, he came to know Christ and it changed his life so much that he's living it selflessly to others. And John says, I just want to tell you, I just want you to be encouraged that all your work and all your study and all your learning and all your obeying is not for naught. It's affecting people's lives. You would do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. You would do well to send them on their way. In other words, you can't be with them all the time, so you teach them, you, you live by example, you give them your best. You don't do a half a job. That is such good instruction. You give them all that you have because you don't know if you're going to be able to come back to be able to minister to the same people again. You give your best. You will do well to send them on their way with the best that you've got, all that you know. Because that's what Jesus gave, didn't he? He gave us all. He didn't hold anything back. It was for the sake of the name, capital N. It was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans. You gave them Jesus. You sent them out. You gave them the best that you had, which is Jesus, and the fullness of his story. And you sent them out And that's what they went out with. They went out in the name of Jesus. And they believed they didn't, they didn't need help from pagans because they know that we have a God who will supply everything that we need. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. We ought to show hospitality to strangers, to whoever we ought to show. And we ought to have our testimony be so visible and so real and so genuine that we all work together in the truth and then we go out and it just continues to be a rippling effect. And then in verse 9, I think, I think John puts this in here, and I think he's careful, but he wants to show us, the readers, but even to the people who are reading this letter, that there's such a difference in when you are sold out to Jesus and you want to work together for the truth versus when it's all about you. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, Diotrephes, there's a man named Diotrephes, and he is so totally different than, than Gaius. Because he loves to be first. 
will have nothing to do with us. John, and when John has come there or whatever, this diatrophies wanted nothing to do. It was all about him. Maybe he didn't want to share the spotlight. Maybe he was threatened that they were going to come in and take over and that people wouldn't think so much of him anymore, but whatever. It was all self. Can't you see that? It's all about self. So I come. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping and maliciously about us. He is gossiping about us. And his words are malicious. They're not truth. I'm going to call attention to that. I think John says, this isn't a judging problem. It's just so obvious from his exterior what he's doing. He's not trying to hide it. His heart is not the real deal. And then, because it isn't real, look look what the actions are like. So, and he's not only he's not only sad, not satisfied with just talking about John and, and the and his team. He he wasn't content just saying bad things about them. He refuses to welcome the brothers. He refuses to, I mean, it's just the opposite of what John said, that we ought to therefore show hospitality to such men so that we may work together. When your heart is not right, it is all about you, and you can't work together. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Now, John says, I have seen this. I know this is how he operates. I know what he's saying. I know that he is even pushing people out of the church. So he is, what a a contrast. This is what pride looks like. This is what selfish looks like versus selfless. So again, in a small little letter, it packs a lot of punch. It kind of gets you to sit up, take notice, and see if maybe, if I've been like that, have I done that? Is that the way I come across? Am I really caring more about myself and what, what others think of me and how I'm perceived and, and how, how I can achieve climbing up the ladder and... and I think John is just really laying it out there. What do you look like? What does your testimony look like? So he says to Gaius, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. When he's talking about good, it's not just good deeds. It's a good heart. And you get a good heart the more you get to know Jesus and his word and you're obedient to his commands. And what's in your heart will come 
out of you. That's why he says, do not imitate what is evil. Someone with a bad heart is going to have bad actions. And even though it might be enticing, and it might, no, imitate what is good. Be careful who you associate with. Be careful who you, who you model. Be careful who you want to be like. I mean, let's face it. You know, we look at different people and we think, oh, I'd like to be like that. I'd like to be like that. I sure wish I had what they had. I mean, it's just so human nature. Be careful. Watch out. I'll tell you, there should be no one we want to be like than Jesus. And how are you going to know what he was like unless you're studying the Gospels and you're studying the, the apostles who walked with him in the Gospels? You read their letters. You listen to Paul saying, I was so changed. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who has a good heart, they've come to the cross and they've let God take over their heart. That's what good is. That's what good means. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. You know, maybe I haven't literally seen God. Maybe I hadn't, haven't literally seen Jesus. I didn't walk during those 33 years when he walked on this earth. But I've been to the cross and my spiritual eyes were open and I see him. I know him. And I pray you can say the same. And that's why John says, because he knows he actually did walk with him. But there was a time when that became so real to John. So he dares say these words Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Anyone who does evil, anyone who doesn't care if he's sinning, anyone who, who just puts me, myself, and I first, you haven't really seen him. You haven't seen him on the cross and him suffering for you, or you would never do that. Instead, you'd want to walk in a relationship with him. You'd want to continue to grow. And then he comes back and says, there's a man, Demetrius. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. His life, it, it, I say this verse so often, but it is no longer I, it's Christ that lives in me. The old should be gone and a new you should be resurrecting more every day as we get closer and closer to him because we are studying and learning more. So when he says, Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, even by the truth itself, I mean, he lives out the truth of the gospel and, and what the, the fruit of the Spirit looks like when the Spirit is running the show. Now there's fruit coming out of us and fruit is what people see when they look at us, when they hear us speak or... Is it the fruit itself or is it the fruit of the truth, the fruit of the Spirit? 
we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I'll tell you what, would you just love an affirmation like that? If I was Demetrius, oh my goodness, what a compliment. That John said, I saw, I saw the real in him. I, I saw the real thing. I saw his walk. I saw the way he lived out his life. I saw his priorities. I saw his compassion. I saw his assurance. I saw even when tough times were very, very difficult, I saw him with a peace because he, he knew the kind of peace that Jesus talked about when he said that we may have peace even in this world, even when we are in trouble because we can take heart because we have a Savior who has overcome who has and who will overcome the world. And as his children, we are part of that. I have much to write you. Here again he says, oh, I could just go on and on, but I think I've given you enough food for thought right now. I'll, I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to be able to come to you soon and talk face to face. But he too closes with peace to you. Peace. See, John wants us living in that beautiful word of peace. The peace that Jesus promised himself. And John wrote about in his gospel. That connection. That through Jesus, through it all, we, because we're learning to trust Jesus and his word, we can have peace even when we don't understand or like the situation that we truly believe we can have that peace because there's nothing that could separate you and I from God's love. And he's pretty much saying, even though we might be separated from each other, the power of Jesus' name and the cross that he suffered on just connects us all and binds us all together. The truth of the gospel Keeps us together. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Then he says these words, greet the friends there by name. You talk about the family of God. You talk about unity. Getting along together. Greetings to you. Greetings from you to me. There's, there's just nothing better and be a part of God's family. But it isn't flippant. It isn't, it isn't something we should take lightly. From these, from 2nd and 3rd John, the way he personally writes to a specific church or, per, or person, he is packing a lot of punch here to make sure that you and I are living a, gen, a genuine life. that we are living out the life that, like he said to his disciples, I need you to go out. I need to send you out into this world. And through your story, through your testimony, you show who I am and what I can do, what I did for you and will do for them. Yeah, we have salvation, and we should be so grateful for it. And to show our gratitude, we should... We should Take this as a responsibility 
to not only live it out, but to send it out. But she just loved the way Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is that power that changed my life. And it's that kind of power that can change yours. But how are they going to know unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless we're willing to tell them? And not only tell them, but live it. Jesus doesn't change. His commands don't. They don't change either. So may we sit up and take notice to these two simple little letters. But... John says, I want to keep you on track. And that takes work. And that takes effort. And that needs constant going over in your own mind and reviewing your own heart. Because others are watching. Father, again, we thank you for just giving us all that we need through these words. And being that John is talking to Christians He's also warning us that it's, we're so, if we're not grounded in, in your word, then we are going to get easily swayed. Father, may that not be true. May we really make Bible study a priority. May we really make time with you a priority. Because we know this is what you expect. You've given all for us. May our giving back our lives to you in view of what you've done for us, may we offer ourselves so back to you as a living sacrifice. May all the words of scripture just kind of work together. We love you. But yes, words can be cheap. You can see our heart and you can see our walk. And Lord, we know that you want a close walk with us. And may that be such a desire of ours as well. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.